Listener Production. KickPod acknowledges the traditional owners and custodians of the land in which we're recording this podcast, the Yulikut Woolen Clan of the Boon who are part of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging, and extend our respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Welcome to the KickPod, your DNM on the stuff that matters, but also the stuff that doesn't. One, two, three, four. Welcome back to another episode, guys. Before we get into today's episode, I'm so excited because we have another toddler tantrum tale that Mm. has been sent in. (laughs) Toddler tantrum tales. Mandy, would you do the honours? I would love to. And by the way, if anyone ever wants to send in a toddler tantrum tale, please do um, at KickPod on Instagram. You can write us a message, but you can also um, send a voice note. They are very welcome. Yes. So <laughs> Kiri has done so. And this is just like, obviously, if you have a toddler and they've thrown a tantrum about something hilarious yeah. or silly, that's what we want. And that is what Kiri has delivered today. <laughs> so she says, hey, Steph, my son Charlie just turned two. And he just threw a tantrum that I found so funny, I struggled not to laugh while he was bawling his eyes out about it. (laughs) Always the way. (laughs) We live on a big property with lots of animals and have a chicken coop. Every morning I take Charlie out to see if our chickens have laid any eggs. That's like, that's so sweet. Dream situation with a kid, right? Um, And it's his favourite time of the morning as he gets so excited to retrieve them, of course. I always tell him to be very careful with the eggs because otherwise they'll break, which he's usually pretty good with. And when we get inside, he usually hands them over to me. This morning, however, we got inside and he took the eggs over to his playmat. And before I could stop him, he sat on them, squashing, (laughs) squashing (laughs) squashing two of the eggs with his bum. He burst out in tears while I burst out in laughter. And I had to explain to him that, Only the mother hen can sit on top of the eggs (laughs) because she's very gentle with them. He absolutely lost his mind crying and I couldn't stop laughing. I had to share it as I thought it was the perfect story for your toddler tantrum tales. Oh, that is a great example of one because it's just like they just sat on the eggs. They just don't, they don't realise with these things. I mean, that reminds me of um, Mm. even just the other day, Harvey was like eating crackers and then uh, Ari was following him around because he was like waiting to get yeah. a cracker, our <laughs> yeah. dog. And Harvey thought it was so funny. And then Harvey put a cracker on the ground. Ari ate it. And then Harvey looked at me and started crying. It. I was like, what yeah, did what you expect? You <laughs> <laughs> literally put it on the ground in front so of him. Like, funny. they just don't, they yeah. don't know. And so then when it doesn't go their way, it's yeah. like, oh. I love it. But I lo- what I, what so I found funny. so wholesome like about this story is that he's copying the chicken. Yeah. So he's just doing what he thinks is best for the eggs. Yeah. <laughs> he's squashed them. <laughs> so good. That is anyway. amazing. Thank you so much for sending that in, Kiri. As Mandy said before, if you ever want to get involved, at KickPod on Instagram. Now, today's episode, mm. I'm so excited. I've got Tracy Lee Beswick, one of my closest friends. She's actually in my mother's group. And is that how you met? Well, it's not how oh. we met. So it's funny. When I speak to about my mother's group, we actually made it up. It's oh, not the cancel nice. one. Yeah. So I met Tracy years ago, I think, in the clubbing scene and then also like through modeling, we knew each other. Um, so I've known her for a very, very long time. And then M, who I've had on the Kick Bump podcast a couple of times. In yes. fact, I had them both on. Because I was going to say, I feel like, yeah. the, so there was an episode called 
it was like poops, prams, and postpartum yes. or something. Yeah, we that, all catched up. And that was on caught up. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that didn't sound right. <laughs> that was with you, Tracy, and Em, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. And they're, so that's your group. That's so your it's friendship our, group, yeah, it's our group. little mother's group. So Em and Tracy didn't know each other before. I kind of introduced them. But I'd known both of them and all our babies were born like within a month apart. Um, And so we've kind of just formed this group ourselves. And it's just, it's so awesome having them both. I think anyone that has like a mother's group or I suppose a tight knit of girlfriends who like are also mums, like Mm. you you will be able to relate to the bond that you have with these women. Mm. And something that Em and I have always been so grateful for is the fact that Tracy actually has a medical background because... She's a paramedic. She's, yeah, yeah, she's yeah. a past paramedic. So it's like, if anything's ever slightly wrong, yeah, you're like, yeah. Tracy, is this the Poor all? thing. I, I have a friend who's a pharmacist and yeah. literally the other day I was like, <laughs> I've got a blister. At what point am I allowed to pop it? And she's like, don't pop it. And I was like, oh, thank you, doctor. Like, I just literally... Yeah, it's so funny. Go to them for everything. But I've been so excited to have Trace on because she... So obviously she's got Olive, which was her firstborn, who's Harvey's age, so two, around two. Yep. In fact, by the time this episode comes out, she'll, she'll be two. Yep. Um, and she's also had little Early, her little boy, um, who's only a couple months old. And the reason I wanted to get Tracy on was Early was uh, home birth. Yes. And it's so it's so cool. She went into so much detail of like the whole experience. But I remember when she messaged Em and I the next morning to say like that he'd come into the world and how he came into the world. And we just like we were gobsmacked, but at the same time, once getting to know Tracy, we're just like, of course, of course, yeah. you were well, able to do this. It's not even just that she had a home birth. The midwives, mm-hmm. well, you, you'll hear in the chat, mm-hmm. but they, they weren't there. They weren't there for so it. So it was a completely like solo. Home it was birth. amazing. It's an amazing story, and I think. Outside of it being an amazing story, I think for anyone out there who's interested in learning a little bit more about how home births work, mm. maybe it's something you're considering or maybe you just want to know about them. You're just knowing your options, really. Totally. Yeah. This is a really great and I suppose intimate way of, of learning what it's like. So I hope you guys enjoy this chat as much as we did. Tracy. Hi. You look good. Thanks. I got to dress up today. <laughs> we were just talking about how uh, Trace is not wearing a maternity bra for the first time in a very long time. <laughs> not often that I get to go somewhere that I don't have to think about feeding. So yeah, it's nice. Because you've got obviously little one early. How old is he? He is just over three months now. Three months. Little man. I know, growing up so fast already. And obviously Olive, very similar, I think a week apart from Harvey. Yeah, she's two next week. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's come around so quickly. Babies are not babies anymore. And, but Olive, you've been on your breastfeeding journey with Olive for the two years. I know. So crazy. Yeah, fair I'm enough. Thankful, this is the first but time. But it's also there are moments where I just just think, oh, I wish you would stop yourself. But I'm also like, it would be very, very sad if she yeah. did. Oh, yeah. yeah. I look back at photos feeding Harvey and I miss it. Yeah. There's it's like comforting about it. There is. It's it's amazing. It's yeah. so cool. The thing that I don't like, though, is that now it's, if you don't do this, you won't get your booby. Yeah. 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 Because they understand more. A hundred percent. And I've seen what she does. She'll, like, point at your boob or even pull your top up. Yeah. It's happening, Mum, whether you like it or not. We love Olive. She's a little miss, but we're here today to talk a little bit more about Ellie, I think. Well, really your experience with both, but um, particularly your story with Ellie. But before we go into that, I would love for you to give the listeners a little bit of background as to who you are and your experience as well in, in what you did for a living Pride, obviously, being the mother that you are right now. Yeah. So I, my background is that I'm a, a paramedic. I 
moved up to Queensland and worked for Queensland Ambulance Service and then went over to the UK and worked in London for London Ambulance Service. Um, then came back to Melbourne, which is where I sort of started my relationship with Greg. And I was doing fly-in, fly-out work uh, through Queensland, but then obviously COVID hit and that was pretty much the end of the fly-in, fly-out mm. work. So I've sort of got that medical background. Um, yeah, so that's me in a nutshell, as quick as can be. And I can't tell you how comforting it is having someone with a medical background in, in your mother's group. <laughs> yeah, I get all the questions. I get everything. Is this normal? Does this look right to you? Does this cough? So it's um look it's refreshing at the same time it's nice to still be able to use those skills yeah feel uh, comfortable and let others know that it's okay it's normal yeah um, yeah oh it's so good and you do so much for your friends and stuff like that and I know you do even like first aid courses and stuff like that it's so good because it's one of those things like even for me I've I've done a little bit of training in it but it's stuff that can be especially when it's not practiced regularly, so easily forgotten, I feel. And maybe in the adrenaline of like something actually happening, it might come back to me. But I think it's those things that's just so important to kind of have the refresher on. So it it must be very comforting, I suppose, having that background. Yeah, I think everyone that's around me is also um, refreshed by the idea they've got Mm. someone to call. But it's definitely one of those things, if you don't use it, you lose it. Hence why first aid CPR certificates should be getting refreshed all the time. And even if you're not getting a piece of paper, just refreshing on that knowledge and There's so many great Instagram accounts out there that give lots of information mm. to, to mums. So definitely mm. something that you should touch up on if you haven't. We can't all have a Tracy in our mother's no. group. But also, so the reason I wanted to, to give that bit of background is because today I want to talk about home births with you because you have gone through it twice. Once. Was it, didn't Once. you start with Olive? Started at, um, at home with yeah. Olive and yeah. laboured at home for pretty much the entire See, in of my, my mind, because I didn't do that, I'm like, that's a home birth. Yeah, no, no. So <laughs> there's... There's ultimately different yeah. pathways that you can go down when you're when you're pregnant. Um, you can just do your standard hospital birth, mm-hmm. um, which is through the normal hospital public program, mm-hmm. um, private practice, which I believe you went through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's also this midwife led program, mm-hmm. which is what I did with Olive. You have one sort of sole midwife that mm-hmm. looks after you throughout your whole pregnancy. You labour at home as much as you can, and then when it's time to go into the hospital, or when right. you think it's time to go into the hospital, you go into hospital to ah, have your birth. Okay, cool. So a lot of it is done at home, but yep. the actual birth itself is in hospital. Yeah, okay, yep. cool. Whereas Airly was different. Yeah, so talk to us about Airly because with home births, I think, like, there'd be so many people who would be interested but maybe intimidated because they might not have the background that you do, I suppose, in the health space and, and knowing different things like that. So what made you decide that you wanted that, first of all? And then what steps did you take to kind of equip yourself with the knowledge that you needed to feel comfortable with that? Yeah, so I think when I was pregnant with Olive, I I wanted to do a home birth, but it was Greg who was more hesitant, not sort of knowing what could happen and the unknown. And obviously what you see on TV is how probably most men initially think that that is what birth and labour is like, whereas it's very, very different in real life than what it's publicised as on on TV and in the movies. Mm -hmm. Um, Given my background in paramedics and, and the hospital system, I sort of knew how hospital protocol-driven things are, uh, and especially in other things other than birth. Um, and I, I always sort of wanted a natural mm. birth for myself. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. look, everyone's natural is completely different, mm-hmm. but for me, that was an unmedicated, completely yeah. drug-free birth. 
Yeah. Uh, so with Olive, I touched on it. Greg said no, flat out. I was like, okay, no worries. Uh, you touched on home birth. We touched yeah. on doing it, and yeah. Greg just sort of said, no, don't want to do it. Yeah. So I respected that, mm-hmm. and then fell into that midwife-led program with Early. After having Olive, I think Greg was sort of like, let's do it, let's do it. He You're was amazing. Bit, yeah, he was a bit panicked about the whole quick get to hospital. We don't know what's going to happen and yeah. when. For a second time around, he sort of has been through it and understood it. So I think that was a big um, deciding factor for us is that we were both comfortable to do it at home. Mm. It's not common to birth at home. Mm. I, I think it's about 2% of births in Australia happen outside of the hospital and mm. it's like 0.5% of those are a planned, planned home birth. Yeah. Uh, I have the joy of having lots of midwife friends. Mm. So I think talking to them and discussing my options, that's actually how I found my midwives. Mm -hmm. So ultimately the process is is that you can contact a whole lot of agencies or private midwives and then you have a sit down with them and see if you gel with them. And if you do, then obviously you can go forward with the services. Um, Ultimately they see you throughout your whole pregnancy, every single appointment that you would normally have in hospital or with your obstetrician, you have in your own home mm, with your midwives. Wow. Yeah. So it's it, it's special, I suppose, because they're coming yeah. into your home, you're getting to know them, they're getting to know your family, mm. and you don't have to be in a hospital. You're, you're in your own comfortable environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it, it needs to be something that you want to do and mm. you need to be willing to do the whole unmedicated home birth side of things. Yeah. I think if you're, you know, wanting to go and have an epidural and things like that, then home birth isn't for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but that, for me, it was all about having unmedicated natural birth and mm. I think that's just something that I've always wanted and I know mm. that was for me. Yeah, and I suppose we're lucky in our location being not too far from hospitals as well because I think that's also a factor if like god forbid the you know something went wrong and did that come into your mind is there like a plan do you have to kind of have a backup plan yeah so you sit down at your 36 week appointment mm. with both of your midwives so you've got a primary midwife and then a backup so midwife. if one's not like available Correct. you still get to know the other one yeah oh, that's great so, and they both come to your birth so that's I have great. both of the midwives at my birth um, and they pretty much talk through the the what ifs, you know, what if we need to take you to hospital, yeah. where's the closest hospital, you have a backup appointment yeah. made at mm-hmm. the hospital. So for us, it was the Monash that was the closest. Yeah. So you still speak with a, a doctor at the Monash prior to going into labour ultimately mm-hmm. and just chat through your, your background and your history and make sure everything's okay. So they've yeah. got that backup appointment there sitting for you. And the what-ifs of, you know, what if you have a postpartum hemorrhage? What if Mm. baby doesn't want to come out? What if you've got meconium in your waters? Mm. All of those things are are discussed at that 36-week appointment so that everything's sort of set in stone and you know what's going to happen. They run through the whole what if baby comes out flat and floppy. That's my paramedic talk coming Mm -hmm. in there, Mm -hmm. but I'm sure everyone's aware of flat Mm -hmm. and floppy is not good. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the fact that they've got all of the resuscitation gear there and and they're talking through everything with you. But Mm -hmm. I think the whole time they're they're pretty amazing in sort of saying that we've done this a million times. We've Mm -hmm. probably got somewhat more... more experience, I suppose, mm. in, in home births mm. and that if this happens, this is what we do. Yeah. It's it, it's really quite structured in, in how they act, whereas I think if yeah. something goes wrong in a hospital, you get a million people rushing yeah, in and who's doing what job and, and stuff as well. Yeah. So, mm. but you chat about all of those things on your 36-week appointment. Yeah, cool. Yeah. And you had like a bath set up at that, your apartment. So how do you choose to have that? Is that something you have to hire? 
Yeah, so uh, if you've got the ability to have your own spa bath, uh, or not spa bath, but ultimately... Like a roomy bath. Yeah, if yeah. you want to birth in your bath or however you want to birth, then there are options yeah. that you, you chat to your midwife about. Um, but given that birth is still... You, you want it to be clean, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, So the fact that you've got the birth pool with a liner, everything is pretty much clean. Yeah, um, yeah. And the filling up process of the pool was Greg's job and he was rushing around like an absolute <laughs> lunatic at that time trying to get to get it all sorted. But mm. you've ultimately got to buy, you know, a proper hose that connects up to your tap and you've got to have it a certain temperature and it's got to be this much full and mm. this inflated before you add the liner. And this and is all stuff that your midwives run through. With yeah, you. yeah. Okay. So we kind of went through a bit of a run through with blowing up the pool and figuring yeah. out where we'd position it in the lounge room. And once we had all that sorted, I think then Greg sort of knew what his job was. Yeah. Once I sort of was like, it's go time, Greg, get everything yeah. sorted. And then he was running around trying to get it all done. But um, the midwives sort of said to him, we give you a 10 out of 10. You've done such a good job. So I think he was pretty proud of himself. And I would love to talk more about the actual birth of Ellie because he came into this world very quickly, fairly quickly. Yeah. And so quick, in fact, that your midwives weren't there. <laughs> Which when you told me and M this, I was like, oh, what? I couldn't even imagine it. And I'm sure Greg would have been like, oh, my God, why did I agree to this? <laughs> but so can you talk to us about that? Because I, I suppose like... Obviously, this is something that can happen. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's not like they live next door to you. Correct. Um, so that's obviously a factor. But how did you... Because like, you're so... In my mind, you're just so strong. You're a warrior. Like, I feel like you wouldn't have even blinked and you would have been totally fine. But I would love to know what went through your mind when you realised this was happening and they weren't there yet. Because um, you've done it before. So you would have known yeah. the feeling. Like, yeah. oh, he's... he's, he's yep, it's ready to go. Yep. Ready to push. Long story really short... Went into labour on Christmas Day. Mm. I kind of knew I was in labour. Got to 8 o'clock at night, waters broke, mm. and I'm like, Greg, it's, it's go time. <laughs> um, called the midwife. The midwife was like, are you contracting? And I said, yep, and they're pretty in, intense contractions. So both our midwives and our birth photographer came out. They got to our place at about 9.30pm at mm. night on, on Christmas Day, um, and then I laboured at home until about 12.30ish. I think I was waiting for the clock to tick over. I was like, I don't want a Christmas baby. <laughs> um, and I think it'd be horrible to share your birthday on, on Christmas Day. So <laughs> internally, I think I was holding off and I'm glad Ellie was holding off as well. <laughs> but uh, I jumped into the birth pool and was labouring and then it got to about 12.30 and my midwife was like, let's get out. And so I jumped out of the pool and she said, are you, are you happy to have a check? And I, and I never got checked with all. I've never known how many centimetres dilated it was, mm -hmm. didn't know where I was at. But for some reason, I sort of said, yeah, sure, let's just check. And my midwife just said, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you aren't technically even in active labour. Yeah, you have okay. a completely undilated cervix. Baby yeah. isn't even engaged. Technically, this could go on for 10, 12, who Joy. knows how long. Greg and I were so deflated, mm. absolutely deflated, because Olive was a long labour. I think it was 30 hours all yeah. up. And so we thought, oh, no, here we go. We're in for a, a long ride. They left at about 1am and then as I put it, shit got real. Yeah. I was just feeling the motions and Greg saying, it's just the baby coming down into your pelvis, don't worry, don't yeah. worry. And I was just like, no, this is this is how it felt when Olive was was coming. Yeah. And so he got onto the phone at the midwife at about 3.50 in the morning mm. and I all of a sudden just felt this big 
pop sort of sensation. And I said, quick, Greg, get here now. Um, midwife was like, I'm coming. So sh- they hung up. And then within a few minutes, I said, Greg, is there anything there? He's like, no, 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 there's nothing Are there. Are you in the water at this no, point? No, I'm on my bed at this point. Okay. On my bed. And I'm like, is there, a, is there anything there? And he's like, no, I can't see anything. I'm like, just take my undies off. Mm. And he went to take them off. And I'm thinking, this is not going to work. Just go get the scissors. Cut them off. Cut mm. them off. Mm. Paramedic in me sort of there saying, yeah. baby's coming. Yeah. So Greg's gone to get the scissors, chopped my undies off, looked, said, no, there's nothing there. And I'm like, no, 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 I need to get off this bed. Yeah. I just knew instinctively. Yeah. Managed to get down onto the ground in our lounge room just mm. below the pool. And I said, can you see anything? He's like, no. He's like, hang on a second, let me get the torch. Because we've got the room all set up to how we wanted it. Like, like candle lit, light, yeah. candle lit, yeah. music going. Mm. It was beautiful. Anyway, Greg comes back with the torch and looks and goes, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. Like, full head, yeah. head. ready to come. Yeah. And I just remember going, how am I going to get down off the ground up into the water? So Greg's there holding baby head, thinking it's going to fall out. I'm like, Greg, it's not going to fall out. It's fine. Managed to get into the water. And then I sort of said to Greg, you should really call Helen and um, and let her know that this is happening. So he got on the phone to Helen. I'm in the water just doing my thing. Mm -hmm. I never once pushed. I just had him come down by himself. Um, Greg managed to get the whole thing on camera because he didn't have anything else to do, really. (laughs) Like, the birth pool's that big. I'm in there by myself. So our midwife was on the phone talking through things with Mm. Greg, and that was peace of mind for him because everything that she was saying, I had already sort of instinctively done. So I sort of wasn't stressed about everything happening. It was more Greg that was a little bit like, "Um, you're meant to be here. Why aren't you here? Yeah. And then pretty much 10 minutes later... Ailey arrived at oh about 4.20, I think it was 4.20 in the morning. So from 1 a.m. when they left to 4.20, I pretty much went from zero dilation to 10 centimetres and here we go, baby's coming. There was just no time and it was very, very quick in that process. Yeah. Um, it was probably maybe because when they'd left and they'd said, like, you're not even close, you probably would have just, like, relaxed a lot thinking, yeah. okay, this isn't happening. I mean, yes, you said, okay, great, we've got a really long labour ahead of us and that would have mm. been stressful, but you probably did just sit back thinking, oh, it's not going to happen and maybe that sensation or that, like, Relax relaxed me. state yeah. made your body go, okay, let's do it. Was, it was also, <laughs> I later on spoke to my midwife and she sort of said he had his head um, flexed up, so they say it's, like, eyes to the sky or, like, looking up. Right. Uh, so it was a posterior birth ultimately. So that's why I was getting such intense labour pains right. that I thought that I was a lot further yeah. along is yeah. that I had all that lower back pain mm-hmm. that everyone says is the most horrendous type of labour pain. And, mm-hmm. and, it, and it was bad, but it wasn't like unbearable yeah. bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's why I hadn't dilated because his head wasn't down low right. enough because he had his head flat. So had he moved? Did he? Was he a posterior birth still or...? Um, can't, no, so he met, once he got down, he then turned into turned. the right position, okay. and then that's when things happened yeah, really quickly. It was go time. Yeah, yeah. So it was wow. And so then once he came out, obviously yeah. you would have just so like a legend pulled him out of yourself <laughs> and then cuddled him in the water. Yeah. What like what happened from then? How long was it? Um, it was about ten minutes until the midwives arrived. Okay. So our um, birth prophet arrived, mm-hmm. and she was taking some photos of us in the water, uh, and then the midwife came and then the second midwife managed to come Mm because they were about half an hour away. Mm. So it was a bit of a journey to get them there. But obviously the the paramedic in me kicked in as soon as he was born and I I knew that I had to vigorously rub him and, you know, try and stimulate baby and not just be very, very gentle, which I suppose is 
where my knowledge yeah. was beneficial at Totally. Home. Because there were moments there where it was sounding really gunky and Greg's like, is he okay? I'm like, yeah, 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 he's just got mucus in his airways. You know, yeah. Something that I knew because of that medical background. Yeah. But you can have your midwife on the phone with you the entire time. Yeah. Um, I stayed in the water for an hour until my placenta was born. It mm-hmm. took a long time, which was a little bit frustrating. But And was he just attached the whole time? Yeah. 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 So yeah. just stayed in the water mm-hmm. um, until my placenta wow. was delivered. And, and then onto the couch at home out of the water and midwives left a couple of hours. I think they left about 6 a.m. And mm-hmm. then it was just the three of us until Olive came Where back. was Olive? So she... Initially, we wanted her to be there. Yeah. But because everything happened so quickly and it was Christmas Day, so she was going to bed late Mm -hmm. and she just was throwing a bit of a tantrum in bed and I'm thinking, I'm not going to be able to tend to her whilst contracting, whilst Greg's (laughs) trying to fill up the pool. And I remember having to get her out of bed and being like, it's okay, mummy's okay. And she was fine. She knew what was going on. I'd showed her so many videos, Mm. so she knew what was happening. But um, I just knew that she wasn't going to be there because Mm -hmm. it was just too hard if she hadn't had a had a sleep. So she went to Nanny and Poppy's house oh. and was there all day and, and then came back in the afternoon and got to meet little Ailey. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so special. And I think I think that's something that is really special about a home birth situation, obviously, if all things go well, is that after it's happened, you're now in the comfort of your own home, just as your little family. It's That's so special. And I think it's all those things that make a home birth special. You're in your own environment. Yeah. You've got your own things there. You've got your own music, candles. Mm. You've got your own bed afterwards. Yeah, true. All those creature comforts that you don't necessarily mm. have in hospital. And, you know, I did a lot of reading and research with Olive's birth about how, you know, you'll need to keep the lights dark and minimal interaction with people to try mm. and keep all your hormone levels going for, for a great birth. Um I remember being blindfolded from mm. home to hospital with Olive, whereas when you're at home, I didn't have to worry about all those yeah. little things. Yeah, because it's something it's something that I've thought about as well, like second time around the with Harvey. We were so fortunate. We spent one night in hospital and then we did a stay at the hotel, which is what some private hospitals do. They have like kind of connections with hotels and, and we spent the rest of our, I suppose, what would have been hospital stay in the hotel room, which was amazing because yeah. it was like, a comfortable hotel room, quiet, no hospital beeps or anything like that. But we still had the comfort, you know, first-time mums, parents, having a nurse next door, um, which was awesome. But obviously not everyone can experience that. But I think what it's made me realise is second time around, obviously, if everything's okay with baby and with me, I would love to go home as soon as possible. I think that would be, if I have, you know, birth in in a hospital, I would love to go home as soon as possible because I think it is such a special place to be so early. And I think some parents are like, yes, we get to go away for five nights in, in a hotel mm. and be away from the other children to have that bonding experience. Yeah, true. And I think that's something that we didn't necessarily get to have with early, which mm. with your first, you're just absolutely smitten. They're your all. And they're yeah. your bubble and you don't have anything else to tend to. Whereas mm. I think second time around, it's been a little bit of a juggle to, mm. to give him his own special time and give all of her own special time. And especially from that day of birth, it was just straight back into sort of normal life. Mm. It wasn't that real bonding, bonding moment that mm. you would get if you were True. in a hospital. So yep. I think it's um, yeah, pretty yeah it just depends pros on how you want to roll it, really. Yeah, totally. One, two, three, four. 
Do you think that like, because obviously you had your idea of what you wanted and everything, but I suppose also with your background, um, you would have also known that like births can't always go the way that you'd planned. Would you have been totally fine if it got to the point where your midwives were like, look, we really think you need to go you should go to the hospital and finish it off there. I've thought about this yeah. and I think I'd be absolutely devastated. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like emotionally. Yeah, look, I know that you just have to do whatever is best for baby. Yeah. And I know that my midwives had my interests and baby's interests yeah, you had at, that trust at heart. Them. I had the trust there. Um, I had a backup plan yeah. and, I, you know, I wrote down my birth, I say, preferences yep. uh, with how I would want things to go if we ended up in hospital, but... I think I would have been devastated. I would have. Yeah, like you feel really fortunate that you've been able to experience it. Oh, so, so fortunate. And I know that births don't go to plan. And I know that there's so much birth trauma out there. Yeah. Um, But a big thing about my home birth is that I knew that my midwives would do absolutely everything in their power to try and make sure that I had that birth that I I wanted. Mm. Whereas I think the difference with hospitals sometimes Sometimes, is that... It's very much, oh, this has happened. This is our plan of action that we have to do because mm-hmm. it's a hospital birth. Whereas yeah. at home, it's a bit more about these are the options. We can try this. We can try that. But if then that doesn't happen, then we have to go to this sort of mm-hmm. path. Yeah. Um, and that's primarily why I wanted yeah. the home birth because oh, I, I knew that that was, yeah. I think that's a lesson in itself. I mean, something someone told me, you know, whilst I was going into it thinking, I don't really want to plan because I know from so many stories that it very rarely goes to plan and I don't want to be disappointed. Um, A midwife friend of mine said, that's a good way to go into it. However, you should also know of all the different options that you have. So it's worth, like, let's go through it so that you know and have some preferences so that when they ask the question or when they suggest something, you know that you have the right to say yes or no or to try something else. And I think I was so fortunate that I was told that because then I did look into it. And I was aware of everything that could happen or all the different interceptions. But the best part was I could speak to my obstetrician who I had a beautiful relationship with, probably very similar to the one that you had with your midwife in that I really trusted that she knew the kind of birth I envisioned for myself. But I also had all my trust in the world that like if it couldn't go that way for whatever reason, any complications, that she had my back and she would do what's best for me. And it really, like, I even remember there was points where because I, she knew that I wanted to be in the water as much as possible in the shower, that's where I felt the most comfortable, that I had to have that mobile, what's it called? The thing that's like on you that reads the... My brain won't work either. I know exactly what you're talking about. Anyway, everyone can picture it. The thing that like picks up (laughs) yours and baby's heartbeat and everything. And... You have to have one that's obviously not like attached to the wall if yeah. you're going to go in and out of the bathroom. CPG, one of, monitor. That's, that's it. it. <laughs> one, my first one stopped working and they were like, you can't go in the water anymore because when you're in there, we can't see baby's heart rate. And I was like, well, obviously we need to see his heart rate. So I wasn't going to argue that, but I was emotionally disappointed and sad because I was dealing so much better in the water. And my obstetrician, thankfully, knew that. So when she came back in like an hour later... She was like, what's going on? Why are you in, in the shower? And she could see with the charts, like, how much more relaxed I was yeah. in there. And she was like, let's just get another monitor. Like, what are we doing? Get another one. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, why didn't anyone else think, think of it before? <laughs> yeah. So it is important to kind of still have those preferences. And I think it's okay to to openly say that, like, you would have been a little disappointed or, like, sad about it. Yeah, definitely. Like, 100%. That's fine too. Yeah. 
I think it's all about education as well. Yeah. You know, you, you need to know your options, need to know what things are and the pros and the cons and the risks involved and yeah. and then make a conscious decision for you yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I definitely would have been disappointed. Yeah. 100%. 100%. <laughs> and it was, look, it, there was a part of me that was scared because when my waters did break, they weren't clear, clear. Yeah. You know, they were, it was a bit of an old poop that happened at yeah. some point or another. Yeah. And my midwife had said to me, if things don't progress, mm. this is a transfer to hospital. And yeah. I was instantly like, oh I'm no, stressed. like, I just don't, I don't want that. Mm. I don't want that. Mm. But if it had to happen, it had to happen. And yeah. I think you need to be open totally to whatever your baby ends up wanting to do is, yeah. is going to That's happen. That's the way it's going to happen. Yeah. So obviously it seems like you went into it very educated, but was there anything afterwards that you wish you knew prior? Like anything at all? Um, or you kind of felt like you really... Yeah, I was kind of all over yeah. it. <laughs> If you ask Greg that question, Greg would have been like, well, the midwife should have stayed. I'm like, yes, I know, I know. Um, and it's always that what if. Um, look, initially it was looking at the the cost factor as well. Yeah, like of course. It, it's not... That's important. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's something that, look, I was aware that it was expensive. I didn't realise how expensive, all those sorts of things because every appointment that mm. you go, the midwives come to you, it's it's a fee. Yeah, you know? okay. Um do you mind talking to how expensive it is? No, it's a, it, w- it works out to be around about six yeah. to 7000 yeah. Um, And then you get a little bit of money back from your appointments. Yeah. So I think it's about $48 you get back from Medicare for yeah. every appointment that you have. Mm-hmm. But overall, it's about 6000 yeah. So it's probably similar to getting a private obstetrician. I don't know what the out-of-pocket fees are for, for private. Yeah, it um, totally depends on who yeah. it is. And then obviously if there's any complications or the added yeah. appointments that you decide to go... But yeah, I think ours ours was um I think it was ended up between ten and twelve yeah. after everything. Yeah. But it is, it's it, it's something that you have to totally consider absolutely in the decision of, you know, what way you're gonna go is yeah. is the cost of it. There's no doubt about it. So it's interesting to to think about. But if there are people listening mm-hmm. and they're thinking of doing a home birth, I'm sure this conversation has already helped them so much. Yeah. But is there anything that you think like that you're super glad you did? Because obviously you went in prepared. So is there anything that you were super glad you did do? Was there something you read, listened to? I don't know. You spoke to someone and it was specific information that you were like, I'm so glad I knew this going into it. So I went and did a calm birth course for Mm -hmm. Olive's birth. And I obviously took all of that knowledge back Mm -hmm. into the birth with Airlie. Um, So I definitely think that you should go and do some sort of calm birth, hypnobirthing Mm -hmm. course. Um, I read an amazing book by Rhea Dempsey called Birth with Confidence. Mm -hmm. I think that was the big sort of maybe push to to do a home birth as well. Um, And then hire a TENS machine. Yeah. (laughs) Hire a TENS machine 100% and make sure that it's what you want to do. Don't feel pressured to to go to hospital if you don't want to have a hospital birth and look at your options. Mm. Um, But, yeah, at the end of the day, birth is birth. It's Mm. beautiful. doesn't matter how it happens. Mm. You just need to do what's right for you, I suppose, Mm. and know that things don't always go to plan. Yeah. But... I'm just glad that they somewhat went to plan for me. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. No, it was the best. It was the best message to to see that morning after Christmas. I know. And when you said that you did it on your own, me and Em were like, of oh, course you did. It was of exhilarating. Look, it was absolutely amazing. And I love the fact that I can say, you know, I've delivered my baby into the world <laughs> in so the cool. water at home as intended. And look, it was kind of 
nice not having anyone there. Yeah, special. Yeah, and look, worst case scenario, my medical background, again, very different for someone who who doesn't have it, but when the midwives came the first time, they set up all the resuscitation gear, you know. Mm-hmm. I know how to use it all. Yeah. So if there was that situation... You were comforted Obviously, by your wouldn't want to do that. No, but no. I could ultimately yeah. do that. You are amazing. That's all I can say. Yeah. And thank you for sharing your story. I'm sure it's very insightful to a lot of people who have never even thought of or known anyone who has gone through it. So, yeah, yeah appreciate you talking about it today and coming on and spending no some time away from Ellie. I know. It's nice. We have a morning <laughs> off. As much as that sounds horrible, it's like, yeah, two under two is is hectic and it's nice to have a couple of hours or not even a couple of hours just not thinking about it, driving the car and going, oh, it's so quiet. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're welcome. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. I might just hang out here for a little bit longer. <laughs> Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that chat as much as I did. I'll be back in your ears next Monday with Lawsy. And if you would like to get involved with the podcast, we're at KickPod on Instagram. Just slide into our DMs. That's literally all you need to do. Um, And we also post a lot of our video clips and everything on that page. So if you love the podcast, give us a follow. And if you want to learn more about Kick, you can head to kickapp.com or Apple Store, Google Play Store. We have a seven-day free trial and we would love to have you And that is it for me today. Bye.